Welcome to the Feminist Radical Podcast. I am your hostess with the mostest coffee addiction, Ashley Ray, and it is awesome to have you here. Before we go any further, of course, though, it's important that we take a moment to acknowledge the First Nations people on whose land each of us is upon today. For me, it is the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and extend that to their families and kin. I acknowledge their deep, ongoing connection to country and all of its waterways, and acknowledge that this land was never seeded. Alright, are you ready to jump into some amazing content today? Because I've got a ripper episode planned for you. Remember that on this podcast we talk about things that are taboo and possibly make us a bit uncomfortable and can be a bit triggering. So remember to take care of your emotional health and well-being throughout this episode and if you need to take breaks or stop listening, please do so. Also a reminder that this content is not necessarily appropriate for small ears that might be trying to get a bit of a insight into what the grown-ups are doing. Okay, I can't wait for you to get into this episode with me and if you want to connect on social media, please do. All of the links, as always, are in the show notes. darlings and welcome to the feminist radical podcast my name is ashley if you're into feminism feminist issues then yeah you're in the right place so uh i hope that your christmas and new year period was you know somewhat enjoyable i know that this time of year brings up a lot for us you know sometimes we're strongly encouraged by people to spend time with people we don't like and don't want to spend time with because they've been abusive crossed boundaries or generally just assholes of some variety and coupled with everything that may have happened for you over the christmas new year period australia is currently going through its worst covid outbreak since the beginning of the pandemic so it's really weird that we're in this space and I want to talk about it. There's a few things I want to talk about with you around COVID because I've had some feels, I've had some thoughts, and I think we're all in a bit of a weird space with everything. So if you're in a space yourself mentally and emotionally where you can't listen to anything more about the pandemic, that's absolutely okay. I encourage you to skip this episode and you don't ever have to listen to it, but that's what I'm dedicating this bit of time to today. Um, There will be more episodes that are even juicier coming out with some really fantastic people that I think you're going to enjoy hearing from. Um, So let's talk about Omicron, right? Oh my God, there is so much that is happening in Australia around Omicron that it's really, really hard to keep up with. I'm not going to get into a timeline of everything because it's insanely fast moving and there is so much to keep track of. Like, it's just a lot. And I don't know about you, but I feel fucking overwhelmed every day when I wake up and the first thing I do is I check the numbers in my state and I check New South Wales because New South Wales is kind of the barometer of where we're going with this um, at the moment because they've got the highest number of cases nationwide. So I check where I live, which is Victoria, and I'm horrified because I remember back in 2020 that we were heartbroken and devastated at 700 cases a day. 
and we did a hard stage four lockdown. We've done stage four lockdowns for nine months total, I think it is, over two years. Um, might be a little bit more than that. And we did all of that to get to a point where we now have well on our way to like, I think today we actually recorded like 20,000 cases today. And that was insane to me. Like, it's insane to me that we're recording that and we know that the numbers are not accurate because people are being turned away from testing sites. We're being encouraged by government to not get PCR testing. So we all know that COVID is running rampant through the community. We don't have accurate numbers on just how prevalent it is. And this is very scary for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And that's what I want to talk about because I saw an amazing tweet, cannot remember who it was by, and I really should have saved it. But I saw this incredible tweet from someone that said, you know, the only voices we've really heard from when it comes to COVID are voices from the business community and from conservative government. It's never been about voices from people in marginalized communities with vulnerabilities. We've only really ever heard from government, which we need to, um, and from business. And the narrative has always been that we need to do everything to make sure that business doesn't stop, that the economy is going to be okay. We've never actually had voices from communities of people where there are intersections of vulnerabilities that mean they are at an enormously higher risk of contracting COVID and having serious complications, if not death resulting from it. So I'm going to put my hand up and let you guys know that I fall into this category of chronically ill and disability. I have diabetes and it has messed with my immune system. When I get sick, I get very sick and I get sick for a lot longer than most people. Really good example is, um, I had surgery earlier, sorry, later in uh, 2021. Oh my God, it feels weird to say last year was 2021. And I had to have a general anesthetic. I was under the anesthetic for about 40 minutes and it took me well over a week to recover from the anesthetic. And it took me three weeks longer to recover from the surgery than it does for most people. Um, when I get sick or injured or anything like that, it takes me exponentially longer to recover and heal than it does for someone who is not me and has an intact immune system. So I get very nervous about how prevalent COVID is and about whether or not we may contract it. And so it's really scary to see the narrative that it feels to me, and I know that a lot of people in the chronically ill and dis disabled community are feeling this way, this feels like pandemic eugenics because it's like playing lotto with, okay, do we choose to go out and see our carers and specialists? Um, do we dare to allow these people into our homes because there's such a shortage of staff and the staff are being told, hey, you've got to go to work even if you are symptomatic or testing positive because there's just no staff anywhere. Um, it's really, really scary and it is life-threatening for many, many people in these communities, and they don't have a voice. They don't have a way of being publicly heard, and when we are publicly heard, it's in such a minute way. It's in such a limited way. It's maybe one random article on Mamma Mia. It may be one article every couple of months on The Guardian, 
but we are hearing almost daily or every second day about the economy and how we need to manage the economy. Um, And this tweet got me thinking about the fact that we haven't had leadership centered around well-being and livelihood. We've had leadership centered around economics. And I feel my feeling on this is very rageful, first of all, um, because I feel like the government is there to protect people. It is there to care for them, to be its caretaker, to ensure that there is civil peace, um, to regulate things, to literally lead us into a more equal and fair society. And while I feel that we did that up to a certain point, I really feel like the state and federal governments have really let us down on Omicron because they let it in. They were still allowing international arrivals when they knew that this variant of concern was becoming an issue. They didn't stop international arrivals. They were easing restrictions. And as such, I really feel that any death as a result of Omicron, any serious complex disability that arises from long COVID or anything like that, it should fall directly, like be like the people who didn't close the borders borders, Perite, our federal government should absolutely be 100% responsible for the costs um, incurred and be held responsible for it because they've let it rip. And it places a lot of people who are very vulnerable, who don't have a choice in their vulnerability, by the way. People don't choose to be disabled or chronically sick. Um, It's not the same as being an anti-vaxxer. Anti-vax is a choice. It 100% is a choice not to be vaccinated. Um, and not to socially distance or do any of those things. Disabled and chronically ill people do not have a choice in that. Um, It places us in a very, very, very bad position where we have to choose between often running necessary errands because we still do not live in an equitably accessible world. Um, It is not always easy to get the services you need, especially when staffing shortages are so prevalent right now. Um, I'm seeing stories from nurses and doctors um, all over the shop at the moment talking about the fact that, you know, I actually just saw a tweet today from someone who works on a cancer ward and there were only two nurses to care for 28 patients on night shift because so many nurses had been furloughed because they'd tested positive. Um, And two doctors who were symptomatic and had tested positive were the only doctors... Um, on staff they could not um, get anybody else because people are sick healthcare workers are sick not just that they're sick they're also burnt out because people do the wrong thing they get sick government has failed and just let this rip and we have a healthcare system that is buckling Um, personally for me I want to say that what's very scary to me is that in the last 12 months, I have needed to use my local hospital and health services more than I've ever had to use them before. Um, I've been admitted to hospital a couple of times in the last 12 months because I've been sick. And what's scarier to me is the last time I went to hospital because I was sick, which was not all that long ago. It was a little bit before Christmas. Um, I noticed that there were some really big changes to my local hospital, that they had actually put a temporary building in the emergency car park. So that is 
for COVID patients only because my local hospital is teeny tiny. Um, they've only got, I think, about 20 beds in their ED. Um, not only that, they've got this huge building there, but if I need to go to the hospital at any point while Omicron is a huge problem, I'm not sure I'd be seen. And what really worries me about that is people who need to use the hospital, particularly people with chronic illness and disability who use them more frequently than others, being denied care because there's just no one to care for them. There's no one to run tests. All of the pathology labs are dedicated to um, COVID testing. There's no nurses. There's no doctors because everyone is sick. Um, and that's really, really concerning to me. Like, I actually do get very scared sometimes worrying about that. And so my partner and I have kind of made a plan. We've, it's not the best plan, but we've got what we can do and how we can do it in place for us. And that includes, you know, semi-isolation as much as we can. Now, my partner does work with a lot of kids and there's only so much that he can do and he does need to keep working because there's no job keeper anymore <laughs> um, and we do not have the inflated job seeker rates. So there's not really a lot of protections there. And this is some of the, this is what's really tough about Omicron and COVID because it's that balancing act as well of, well, do you go to work and risk being infected with a vulnerable group of people um, who may also be very sick or do you stay home and have no income? Like it's, you know, do you want to die in poverty or do you want to die of a pandemic disease that was entirely preventable from coming here? Um, it's a really, really difficult position to be in. Um, so that's where I'm at with Omicron. Not going to lie. Yesterday I was particularly panicked and my partner and I both felt very, very panicked and like we needed to do something. So our version of doing something was um, we ordered KFC for dinner um, and, and, and he felt that he needed to go to the store and buy some two minute noodles as well because that made him feel like we were a little bit more prepared um but it's scary times guys and i want to say that it's okay if you feel panicked it's okay if you are terrified it is normal it would be freaking weird if you weren't terrified with case numbers as high as they are especially when we're being told over and over again that this is mild this is mild um from what I have seen and heard from people, keeping in mind that I am not the scientist here, um, it's mild in that it doesn't kill you as much as Delta. That doesn't mean you do not get very, very sick with it. It doesn't mean that you don't have a very bad experience of it and that you won't be bedridden and have complications from it. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I've kind of got to say about Omicron. I guess, I guess like the big thing here is like, shit's fucked. And all I can say is please look after yourself as best you can. And if you have the means, um, psychologically, emotionally, and otherwise to do so, check in on your loved ones who are, you know, disabled or have a chronic illness, making sure that they've got their basic needs met. Because a lot of people in this situation are kind of, stuck with a choice of do I go out to the chemist to get my medication um, or to the shop to get my groceries 
you know, whatever the basic things are that they need to do for themselves and possibly catch COVID that way, or do they stay home and skip on those things that they need, like tampons um, or whatever other stuff that they need, because none of their carers can come to the house and help them with this stuff anymore. Um, It's a really, really difficult circumstance for a lot of us to be in. So if you have the means, I really do encourage you to check in on your loved ones who are disabled with chronic illness. It will make a difference, even if you just lend them an ear to have a vent, um, if you drop a casserole around or something would be incredibly meaningful and very supportive. Even just letting them know that you understand that this is a really complex situation, even if there's nothing that you can personally do to affect their lives, just listening can be really, really a wonderful, beautiful thing. And letting your friends talk about what is going on for them. All right, I am going to stop here because I think I've had my little rant about Omicron. Um, I would like to take a hot second to remind you that there is a Patreon attached to this podcast. So if you are enjoying it, please consider becoming a Patreon. It helps keep this show on the road. Um, You can also find me on TikTok at Feminist Radical, and you can find me on Twitter at Nerdy Pioneer. I'm also on the gram, guys, Instagram, um, at The Feminist Radical. All the links, as always, are in the show notes. I hope you have a beautiful day or night, wherever you are in the world. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Feminist Radical Podcast. My name is Ashley Ray, and if you would like to connect with me on social media, please do, because that is where we get a lot of questions and conversations happening before, during, and after the show. You can connect with me on Instagram at The Feminist Radical or on TikTok at Feminist Radical. I'm also on Twitter at Nerdy Pioneer. You can also email me at hello at ashleyray.com. I can't wait to connect with you, meet you, and hang out with you. Uh, You can also check out the Patreon community if you would like to support this podcast. Consider becoming a patron. There's a few really cool benefits to that. Uh, Go check it out. Links are all in the show notes. Have an amazing day or night, wherever you are in the world. Bye! You know you gotta climb high